Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey, thanks for joining me here on the Do Business Better podcast. Got an excellent show for you today. I'm sitting down for a cigar with a gentleman named Vartan Safirian. He is the owner of Ambassador Fine Cigars. He has two cigar stores. He's a retailer in Phoenix, Arizona. I buy cigars off of Vartan, and I said, you know, there's a guy that absolutely uh, has to every day get up when his feet hit the floor and say, what can I do to stay relevant in the world of online shopping? We hear all about what's happening in retail, and his business is thriving. I said, Vartan, you, so, you do such an amazing job, would you come on the Do Business Better podcast and be my guest? He not only did that, he gave me a cigar to smoke while we're recording this. So welcome, Mr. Vartan Safarian. Thank you, Damien. Okay. So I, I've been coming to your store when you had a different location. Then you moved. I come to your store. I only live here part-time, but I come in here and I look around and I see a, a high-end cigar shop where you absolutely don't just rest on your laurels and say, uh, yep, we've got great cigars. So, you, you know, in the old days, that used to be all you had to do. Just say, we've got cigars. Come on in. You don't rest on your laurels at all. You greet people. You shake their hands. You dress immaculately, professionally. You're in a suit and tie every time I come in here. You uh, work at this. How many years have you been in business? 22 years now. Okay, 22 years. And you've got two stores. When did you open your second store? The second store, I had uh, six, two, eight, no. Eight years ago? Eight years ago. But we moved that store last year from uh, a small 1,500 square feet to on Bell Road for 4,700 4, square feet. 4,700 square 47, feet. Yeah. And at that location, you do have a license so people can come in, smoke a cigar, have a glass of wine, uh, watch, a, watch a tennis match, watch a football game. You're selling an experience. Exactly. It's a good life. Okay. So that's when you say, what is Ambassador Fine Cigars? Well, we got fine cigars, and you can buy uh, humidors here, but you're selling more than that because cigars are available a lot of places. What do you think you sell? I sell the personal experience, the personal one-on-one experience with our uh, employees also, you know. The reason is there's a lot of cigar shops here, but if you come here, you got to experience something different. So the personal touch, we... We build relationships. That's what it is. And then people will come back. So when you uh, opened up 22 years ago, I'm sure that you probably went to a banker and said, I'm going to open a cigar shop. And they said, what the hell do you know about that? <laughs> Actually, I didn't. Uh, I went all in. I, I, I did I, everything I had, I put in the business. And the funny thing is, when I first made a phone call to, to rent the space, and I saw the landlord... He said, do you own a business? I said, no. I just want to open a cigar shop. He said, how about a business plan? I said, no, I don't have a business plan. He said, go get me a business plan. So I went, bought a how to write a business plan software because I'm a high school dropout, so I don't have the education, but I wrote a little business plan. And then here we are 22 years later. It's interesting you say that. You did, you have not read my book. I just gave you a copy of it. In my book, Do Business Better, I do an entire uh, thing right up front where I talk about business plans. So by the way, dear listener, that was not coaxed. That was as organic as anything. <clears throat> 
The story goes that I went, I was a guest lecturer at an entrepreneur class, and the entrepreneurial students all said, what does it take to be successful as an entrepreneur? And I said, well, you know, I've been at this for 20 years. Uh, I've been able to pay the bills and build a little small empire, I guess. Um, uh, I said, but before I answer what I think it takes, what do you think it takes? And every one of those students said, oh, you've got to have a solid business plan. That's what we're being taught. It was very textbook stuff. Then they looked at me and I said, well, students, I've never had a business plan. I've had goals. And uh, that was my thing. Every year I set my goals in the categories of business, personal, and financial, where I want to be at the end of the year. And I look at those goals every week when I travel. I pull up my goal sheet and say, am I on track? So you haven't had a business plan, presumably, since you had that first one 22 years ago. Now what do you do? You know, it's, it's funny you mention goals. I don't look at goals. I don't do budgets either. People always ask me when I go to the trade show, they say, how much money are you going to spend? I said, I don't know. I'm going to buy what I want to buy. I want to be able to buy what I think is going to be good. And I'm going to spend the money what I have to. It doesn't matter. So I don't, projections I don't do. I don't do goals. I just look at my numbers. Have I done better than last year? That's all I want. Yeah, and that's always the objective. Now, I've been through some years that I took a, uh, a stub my toe. Uh, the marketplace changed, and I went through some real setbacks. So when you have a year that's not bigger than the year prior, have you had a year that you didn't? Yes, I did. And I, so then you say, what the heck did I do wrong? And then you go and you look at that. What have you learned? Well, I learned a few things. First of all, when the economy hit, of course, this is a luxury business. The cigar is the only luxury everybody can afford. So obviously my business went down for eight years. Eight years straight, I lost money every year. I didn't lose money, but I mean, business went down. Yeah, the, the revenue- the, survived, the revenue went the down. The revenue went down went after down. 2008 yeah. because it's a luxury item. Now, not as bad as RVs or boats. Those are luxury items that are a lot more expensive than a good stick. Absolutely. So what I learned from that, because I always cater to the high-end products, I always believe, you know, selling the experience of the showing the good life to people. Uh, so obviously during that period, people were buying less expensive cigars. So I made adjustments in my inventory. So I learned to cater to the people depending on the market. So you make mistakes, you buy things sometimes that don't move, and you got to get rid of it. Yeah, so you make the adjustment, and certainly you didn't bring in Swisher Sweets and Backwood Smokes, but you brought in a little lower-end cigar because you needed to meet the marketplace where it was. Did you did you ever then have a night or two, because I know that I have, where you woke up and said, oh, my God, uh, we, might really, we might really be doing something wrong here? <laughs> well, you know, yes and no, because uh, I'm looking at the economy everywhere. Everybody's doing bad when the numbers are down. So all I was doing is uh, putting more money in the business to stay afloat, you know, like to stay above water. And then now, finally, last couple, three years, business turned around and, and we're doing good. God bless America. Uh, you haven't always been an American. You were born in Lebanon. You dropped out of high school. At some point, you moved to Canada. You lived in Montreal. You were in pharmaceutical sales. And then you came to Phoenix, Arizona. When? In 91, it was a job transfer, actually, from pharmaceutical company. I was in their surgical division, and uh, I wanted to move to California, where they're based. So when I was working with them, I kept saying to the director, I want to I go to a warmer climate. And then uh, I was selling cataract implants, and he said, they want you in Arizona, because I was a top salesman every year in Canada. Uh, so we said, Arizona? He said, yeah. So it was a 
sweet deal because they paid everything. And although I took drop in my income, I paid the price for the sunshine. And then once we moved here in 91, in 95, uh, things changed and they let me go. But then I had my green card already. I said, you know what? I'm not going to work for somebody. That's all I knew. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I got my real estate license right away, which I always wanted and I always have. Then I traveled to Brazil, Argentina, where having a lot of family in manufacturing, I hope I could get into import-export business. But nothing was happening. So, but I always had the cigar in the back burner because I smoked cigars since I was 18. So that's when one day I called this space across the street, the landlord, and then here we are. Uh, everybody that's an entrepreneur that started a business has their story. Sometimes they, they they put their toe in the water and they work what they call a side hustle. You know, they're doing this on the side because they don't quite have the uh, the gumption to jump off the, the high dive. I quit in 1994 uh, and I had three gigs lined up for the rest of my career totaling $1,200 to be a political comedian. And a few of my friends said, man, shouldn't you just stick with your job until this thing gets going? I said, I don't know if it'll get going if I don't take the plunge. You took the plunge, you got the space, you brought in the inventory. How many dollars worth of inventory did you bring in that first shipment? Do you remember? Oh, it wasn't much because I didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> I had a couple of properties in Montreal I sold and uh, from 95 to 97 when I opened. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't even collect unemployment. I was too proud. Uh, so I survived. So probably I had about 100, 150,000 that I put in the business, but that's all I had. I put everything, and the shelves weren't full like you see now. Yeah, the shelves you are know? pretty full now. There's more than $150,000 of inventory sitting here. By the way, dear listener, if you hear this noise, we are in the back room of the Ambassador's Fine Cigar Store here in North Phoenix, so you might hear a little bit of noise, but I thought it would keep it very authentic. Plus, Vertan's a hard worker. He says, hey, I can't I can't knock off. I mean, i got to be at work today, so uh, we, we're stealing away from a little bit of his time in the shop to record this. I talk about, Vartan, uh, a number of things in my book, and I think that this is where I want to take you. I said that rather than a business plan, you need four critical personality traits. If you want to be successful, they are you need to be risk tolerant to, to start and run your own business. You need to have drive and ambition. You need to have uh, resilience because the world will knock you down, and you need to have vision. Which one of those four things, risk tolerance, drive and ambition, resilience, vision, which one of those do you think? describes you the most well uh, all of all of the above actually because because i'm i believe they're all very key uh traits that you need you know i had the vision of course i'm resilient and i i have the drive you've been working since you were a kid i've been working and i still work you know i'm 66 years old i still work 60 hours a week uh and i and, and i tolerate tolerate risk obviously so these are all key traits to be successful, in my opinion. Which one do you think is the most important? They're equally important, Damien, because you need to have all of the above. If you're, let's say you're risk tolerant, but you don't have a drive, you can't do anything. You know, you, you got to have the resilience. You got to have the vision. So they're all, I think, important. Yeah, for me, I think it's probably the drive only because I, I've always been a worker and risk tolerance, you know, I admittedly, I don't know that I would take uh, and throw all in now after 25 years and you probably wouldn't either you know it's it's one of those things you do when you have to do it but after you get to a level of success and you, you don't get complacent but you do get comfortable I wouldn't risk everything I got now to start uh, the next thing I don't believe would you 
Uh, probably not because I, you know, I learned a lot, but, uh, but I did, and I still did things that most people won't do, you know. But if I may, I want to add one other thing on this four. I think also I believe passion is, you know, you got to be passionate about what you're doing. I'm very passionate about what I do, and that brings up, you know, it, it lets people know how much you love what you're doing, and it, it, it makes a difference. Now, I want to I want to point out here, I talk about the peril of passion in different uh, regards because there's a lot of people that think, uh, I just really passionate. Well, passion is an extreme emotion. You don't mean you're extremely emotional about your business because therefore you wouldn't be running your business uh, professionally. You mean you love what you do. Exactly. What I'm saying is you've got to be passionate about what you're doing. It's a pleasure, you know, to come. The key thing, what I, what I always said to my kids and everybody, I say on any given Sunday, if you're not looking for Monday, then you got to change your job, you know. So I look forward for every day to come here. Yeah, everybody, everybody, by the way, uh, I got to relight my cigar here, Vartan. So everybody talks about their, their passion, and I say, that's fine if it means you love what you do and you want to do it better each day. It's not that you just want to be running around in an emotional basket case every day because therefore you're not tending your business as a business person. No, you're absolutely right. You, you got you to gotta improve on it. But what, what I mean by passion also is I really enjoy what I do. I love cigars, so that's my passion, smoking cigar and loving cigars. So if, if your job is your passion, it makes life easier. Now, there's the other argument to that, Vartan. Uh, say the, the, the lady out here, she says, man, I love to cook. I'm great at cooking. I'm going to open a restaurant because I love to cook. I'm guessing that within about a couple of years, she doesn't love cooking anymore. What do you think about no, that? No, you're right. That's, <laughs> that's different. That's different, Damien. Uh, I understand what you're saying, but this is, this is a whole different thing. One other reason I, I chose to do this, you know, I could have, I was a very successful salesman in, in surgical environment. I could have got another job easily. But I said, what am I going to do that I'm going to love doing it when I'm 70, 80, hopefully God willing, and I still go and hang out, smoke cigars? There's the other part of it that for me, when I quit in 1994, I had two big driving ambitions. It was I wanted to be creative more creative than being in sales, selling lighting fixtures. And I wanted to be compensated more based on my effort versus an arbitrary 3% raise that the human resources department uh, meters out. You like running your own business. I do. And that's another thing, though. I was tired of the corporate politics, you know. I was the top salesman every year, but then they cut your territory. There's a lot of stuff they do. So sometimes, I said, you know, they punish, sometimes they punish the achiever and they say, they well, do. he's so good, we'll just go ahead and give him a, a, a shitty territory next because maybe he can turn that around. Exactly. That's <laughs> what happened. So I was tired of that. I said, enough making other people money. That's why I decided, little small cigar shop, you know. Remember, my first shop was only 750 square feet. Now I have two shops over 4,000 square feet. <clears throat> Okay, you described before we started recording uh, a challenge and a setback. We all deal with challenges and setbacks. Uh, what what do you think you've learned through your challenges and setbacks? Over 22 years of running your own business, you've had plenty of them, and certainly you've had to be resilient to get through them. Any, any big lessons for the person out here that says, man, I'm going through a heck of a setback with my business? Well, the biggest challenge is employee, to find the right employees and to train the right employees, you know, because... I created an image, the way I handle my customers, the way I treat my customers, and I want the same type of service. You know, I expect the same from any employee. So to find the right people, because I'm not all the time in one shop or the other, 
So that's the toughest challenge. Right now I have two great managers, so I'm fortunate, but we're still looking for some employees. So that's the biggest challenge in this business. One thing that happens for uh, business owners is the person that is the owner is the personality and the driving force and the passion behind it. Uh, If you're not here for two weeks, does Ambassador Fine Cigars struggle? My guess is it does because you are still so ingrained as the face of this company. Well, it does in a way. Here's what happens. And I see sometimes, you know, I have great help right now. Like I said, two managers that are great. But when I look at the people that came by and purchased when I'm not here, they tend to spend less money. When I'm here, they spend more money. Yeah, you get, you, get, you, get more money, you get more money out of a customer's pocket because of the personal touch. That's it, yeah. And I think there's a lot of folks, if they owned a bar, if they, if they uh, had a sandwich shop, if they had uh, a chain of dry cleaners, they probably are better at uh, upselling, shall we say? Well, I wouldn't say upsell because I'm not a hard sell. I'm right. a soft sell. But I always make suggestions, and I, you know, I always bring in new products, and then I introduce them to new products. So in a way, it is upsell technically, but it's a soft upsell. They leave the store happy. That's, that's the, what you want. You want happy customers. Happy customers don't complain about price. The Amazon effect, the Internet effect, it's real. It wasn't, in, it wasn't real 22 years ago when you started out. How has it changed what you do? That is huge. That is huge because right now about 65% of the premium cigars that we sell, they're sold on online, which hurts a lot of my business. But we give an experience. That's what, you know, people, once they come here, they touch the cigar. They see the cigar. If they have an issue, we take care of it. So people who understand that, that's what we try to sell, the service. And the you, have lounge, the you have a lounge. You have a lounge. That, uh, a couple of guys can come in after work and meet here. And, exactly. And uh, there can be a ball game on in the background, and they get a catch-up. It's, it's, the, it's the experience there. What about uh, online for yourself? Does Ambassador have an online presence? Uh, not yet. Not yet. And we do have a e-commerce, but it's not even published. But I'm thinking about it because I have some products that nobody else has. So I think eventually we have to, unless they change the law, which there's a bill right now to ban all tobacco sales online. So I, I, I love to see that happen. <laughs> that would be good for you. It would be bad Absolutely. for a lot of people. What about when I live rurally in uh, northeast Indiana, I need to buy online. Uh, that hurts me a little bit, but uh, we don't control the laws. No, but then when you come here, you buy more than you need, then you take it with you. And that's true. Okay, right and wrong. I always ask people, what, you know, what things you got right, what things you got wrong. You obviously have the customer experience thing down. You've worked about getting employees. Anything you got wrong? Anything that, like, at your second year in, you said, damn, I sure, I sure got that one wrong. Well, the only other thing is buying some products, you know, uh, when I see a product, I, when I believe in the product, I buy quantity. But sometimes it happened that I made a mistake. A product that I bought, it didn't move. So, uh, but then it's my image too. Like I carry a lot of high-end stuff. And those don't move. Not necessarily. But if the right buyer comes in, then they drop a lot of money. So that's wrong because I went deep on some high-end products, you know. But I learned. I talk a lot about habits. You've got a good habit about how you show up, how you present yourself, how you treat the customer. Do you have any bad habits you have to manage as a business owner? Bad habits. Bad business habits. Yeah. Probably. I'll give you one of mine. I am a self-employed person for so long, 
I, it's not even a habit, it's almost a trait issue. I have a hard time being an employer because I've been so used to doing things on my own. Even now, my wife works with me, and sometimes delegation of tasks or being thorough on instructions can be a trouble, a struggle for me. So that's not necessarily a habit, it's just, a, it's just one of my weaknesses. Do you have a weakness? That's the same thing. That's exactly the same thing because I expect that people see things and do things. You know, I tell them, you're all mature people. I'm not going to tell you to pick up this or do this. And that's my weakness. And sometimes, though, I, I'm getting better at it, you know, to telling them what to do. Uh, all right. When you look at other businesses, we're all customers as well as business owners, as well as self-employed people. We, we shop. We buy stuff. When I look at businesses, sometimes I, I say, man, they're getting this wrong. What do you look at other businesses and see that they are doing wrong? Well, I, before I opened the first shop, I went to every cigar shop in town. At the time, there wasn't many. I looked at what they're doing, and I saw what they're doing wrong. So what they do wrong, a lot of the places, is this. First of all, we, we service the customer. I'm very strong in servicing. You know, Other stores you go, nobody greets you, greeting the people. Some basic things that they don't do. That doesn't cost you anything. No, no. If you got to be there, you might as well you be there well. and be present, right? Exactly. And... And, you know, the cleanliness of the places that I see is, is critical for me. You know, the, the ashtray is full of, you know, it's like little things that, you know, I don't understand. You know, dear listener, you're probably wondering if I tipped off Artan, but this is, this is so uh, cutting right to the fundamentals that I talk about in my book and in my speeches and in my podcast. I talk about breaking down tape because I have been a professional comedian back. That's how I started. And what makes a professional comedian professional that you can build a business is that you are self-critical. And I talk a lot about that. You learn in comedy, if you want to actually succeed and make a business, you go back to your room after your set and you've recorded yourself and you sit there and you listen to yourself. And that forces you to see your act from the audience's perspective. What you just described right there, you went into other shops and you broke down tape. You looked at it from the customer. And now you do that for yourself? This is very interesting, Damien. I'm so impressed. We have so much common. Even in my days of selling surgical products, when I went to, to in my car after every call, I, took, I sat there for a couple of minutes and analyzed the sale. If it was good, I analyzed what was good. If I did something wrong, I analyzed that. So looking in the mirror, I always told my kids, self-evaluation is a very strong tool. If you can't look in the mirror yourself, how you're doing things, you know, you can't improve on it. So I do that constantly. And a lot of people, their psyche can't take it or their ego can't take it. And, you know, that's the best part about having a comedy background. I know when I've tanked or I know when I did five minutes of a 60-minute set, for instance, didn't go as well as it should have. It forced you to see things. So when you look at Ambassador Fine Cigars, you are always looking at it with a critical eye as your customer sees it. Is that what I'm understanding? Constantly. Constantly. Daily base. Something that nobody would know about you. You know, you're 66 years old. You've had your own business for 22 of the of these last years. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think that somebody doesn't know about you? The customer that comes in here, what would they not know about Vartan Safarian? Probably I would say the most uh, interesting thing about me that I'm a very spiritual guy. Most people don't realize that. Um, I'm very spiritual, uh, you know, and I'm very grateful. So... That they see always, I always say, God bless America, land of opportunity, you know. I mentioned that a lot throughout the course of the day. I'm very grateful for what this country gave me. I'm very grateful, and I set a goal a few years ago. We talked about goals, and one of the things I wanted to do was realize, my wife said to me, she says, you know, you, you're, you're so, 
you've got so much angst sometimes. And, you know, you're, you're working hard. She says, you need to stop and realize every now and again what, what we've built. And I've, I said, I heard that loud and clear. And I said, I'm going to be grateful for what I've built. Because that's a big thing. When you run your own empire, you have your own little enterprise, you have your own business, whatever you've built, you sometimes need to just, and that's a maturity thing, I think. You're right on. You're right on. You got to be, you know, that's why on a daily basis, I look what's going on. And I always say, thank you. I'm grateful for what I've done. All right. You work a lot, and a lot of business people do, a lot of business owners do, a lot of entrepreneurs do. If you had four more hours per week, if I could just grab four hours out of the sky and give them to Vartan, how would he spend them? You know, I would spend it with my family. This is one area that I'm um, kind of not spending enough time. I'm realizing, you know, with my grandkids. So eventually that's my goal to carve out four or six hours or whatever and spend it with my family. That's important. One piece of advice, one thing that anybody can learn from, okay? Uh, again, they might run their own business. They might be self-employed. They might be an e-lancer or freelancer. They're working in the gig economy. They're sitting at their desk in their guest bedroom right now. What would you tell that person? Something, a lesson you've learned, a, a thought? I, I'd tell them go with your gut feeling always and do something different than the uh, competition. I always look at the competition. I want to do something different than better. Always have a something above you know that's why i kept changing my stores to make it bigger and better even when you didn't have to and that's a theme of reinvention which i of course uh, am a big believer in even though the competition isn't doing this doesn't mean you shouldn't because it's a, a differentiation effect absolutely okay well this will be our last thought then when you look about reinvention what do you think in the next 12 to 24 months vartan and ambassador fine cigars is going to do that's going to continue to set you apart that's interesting. Like I told you earlier, I don't I don't put goals. I, I go with the flow. Uh, what What's going to be interesting right now, you know, I want to finish my bar, and then that's going to set us apart. And then again, bring in products that are rare, and then cater to the people, give them the A-plus service that nobody else does. Give them a reason to keep coming give back. Give them a reason to make them happy. When they leave the store, they're going to leave with a smile. Even if they spend $3,000, they're going to leave with a smile. I think that's where we should leave it right there. Even if they spend $3,000 or leave them with a smile, happy customer continues to come back and they don't worry about price. God bless. Vartan Safarian, thank you for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for our chat here on the Do Business Better podcast. Till next time.